To learn more about The Church at West Gant, visit us at www.thechurchatwg.com or visit our Facebook page, and we would love to connect with you. Have a great day. And I did want to take just a second before we dive into our message this morning. There are a couple of people that I want to recognize that are here in the room that are very special people, near and dear to our heart, that we've been missing for a while. And uh, I want to make sure that we say hello. Um, and so over here, sitting to my right, your left, over on the Oregon side, uh, is Miss Ann Bradbury. And Ann has been, that's right. If you don't know, Anne has been battling with uh, cancer for a while now and has been walking through some pretty severe treatments and uh, just dealing with the after effects of all that. But it is so great to have you back, Miss Anne, and to see you up and about. Uh, and the second one is on that same side, but a little further back. You may not recognize him because he's got a tube around his nose. Uh, back there, we'll say hello to Johnny Metters. Uh, And Johnny has just walked through uh, a very uh, significant lung surgery, and uh, he is up and running a lot faster than what they said he was going to be up and running for. Um, so it is good to see Johnny back, and uh, got some good reports from the doctors this week, and is, is pushing through. And so y'all continue to, to pray for both of those, uh, but it is definitely, we're praising God uh, for the, the, the fact that we get to see you and worship with you, and the fact that God has taken care of everybody involved. Um, we have been in the midst of a series on the Sermon on the Mount for a while now, and today is the last Sunday of that series. We're going to kind of wrap it all together and put a little bow on it, make it look pretty and tie it off, and then we're going to move on to some new things. Uh, but if you've got a Bible with you this morning, I would encourage you to open it up to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to pick up towards the end there, the last couple verses, uh, verse 28 and 29 uh, will be kind of our focal point this morning, but we're going to bounce around a little bit. Uh, as we talk through the authority of Jesus today. As we have walked through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has proclaimed a lot of things. <laughs> um, Y'all want to complain about my sermon length? Go ahead. Jesus more than likely was on that mountainside for hours at a time with these disciples as he walked through uh, this sermon. And so uh, Jesus is, is my role model, so y'all be prepared. We got at least a six-hour sermon today, um, and that's what we're going for. Lunch will be provided in the fellowship hall, and then we'll go for round two. Just kidding. Uh, but Jesus stands on this mountainside, and he proclaims a lot of things to his disciples, These, this new group of believers who are following this, uh, this Messiah that they are putting their faith in, and, but they're just learning what it looks like to be a part of Jesus' kingdom. And so he sets the stage for them of what the next couple of years are going to look like as he travels throughout uh, his little neck of the woods there and as he performs signs and miracles and wonders but also what the future of the church is gonna look like after his crucifixion and resurrection and ascension. And so Jesus really kind of sets the tone for what the culture of the church needs to look like. Over and over again throughout this study, we have come back to a central topic, the idea of righteousness. Over and over and over again, Jesus kind of draws the attention of the disciples back to Hey, this is what it looks like to follow me in a real and authentic kind of way. Not some fake man-made version of that like the Pharisees and the scribes, 
but a real version of this that really puts the priorities of God uh, where they need to be uh, and, and truly follows after God with a real heartbeat of authenticity. Um, and so Jesus reminds them of that over and over and over again. But the truth is that most of what Jesus talks about, if not all of what Jesus talks about in this first sermon of his, is really tied very closely back to the Old Testament. In fact, pretty much everything that Jesus says, you could tie back to some Old Testament passage where Jesus is quoting something or drawing something out, but putting a new perspective on how these people should view it. And so it's not new material. It's not new things. But it's presented in a way that the people are struck by it. And in fact, we're going to read that this morning as we look at kind of the tail end of the Sermon on the Mount here. Let's read together Matthew chapter 7, verses 28 and 29. It simply says this. And when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished, or some of your uh, translations may say amazed at his teaching. Why? For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. A simple two verses, but a lot packed into that meaning. Let's pray together over the reading of God's word. God, we thank you for this message, the Sermon on the Mount. God, we thank you for the teachings of Jesus that draw us in. God, we thank you for the authority that Jesus spoke with, the fact that he did not come as one uh, who was just another good teacher, but as one who spoke with true authority one who spoke with the ability to command and to, um, to instruct, to draw us back to the true heartbeat of what it means to follow you. So God, this morning, I pray that that would be the case in this room. God, I pray that you would use these same words. I pray that you would use the authority of Jesus to, to draw us unto you, God, that you would take what's inside of us that we're struggling with this week, the things that we've walked through, the hardships and the good things, the, the mountaintops and the valleys. God, I pray that you would use all of it to draw us closer to your heartbeat and the things that you desire for us. And God, I pray that through the, the teaching of your word, God, we would be a changed people, that we would walk out of this room different than when we walked in, that we wouldn't just have attended a worship service, Father, but that we would have been impacted by the spirit of God. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the blessing of being able to read it and study it. God, help us to apply it to our lives today. We love you. We praise you, it's in your name that we pray, amen. Jesus wraps up this sermon. He finishes everything that he has to say. In fact, if we were to look at the, uh, the original language there, this, and when Jesus finished, that word finished is this idea of fulfilled. It is this idea that everything that needed to be said was said. It wasn't that he just got like tired and was like, okay, boys, I'm done for today. We'll start again tomorrow. It was that Jesus had accomplished what he had come to do on the side of that mountain that day with those disciples. He was finished with what he needed to do. Everything that we need to understand as believers is wrapped up into these two chapters of scripture, this sermon that is presented. It is fulfilled in Jesus's sayings. And as he wraps that stuff up, there are two words that are used to describe the reaction of the disciples as they stand on that mountainside. It is that they are amazed and that they are amazed at something specific. They are amazed at his authority. 
And so let's talk about these two terms real quick because we need to really kind of unpack them a little bit and understand them. The word here for amazed is a term, it's, uh, and, and my, my Greek is terrible, I apologize guys as far as pronouncing goes, but it's ekplaso. It is this idea of being struck out. It is this idea of like a, a, a lightning strike and being startled by it. And it's this idea of being caught off guard. It's like we were prepared for something, but what we really got was something completely different. And so we are left in this like, oh my goodness, this awestruck moment. I don't know if you've ever had a moment like that, but one for me, I, I was in Poland years ago doing some mission work, and, and I was at a, a cathedral, a, a, a beautiful church that was right in the middle of the city where I, I ministered in for six months, and uh, at the top of that cathedral, they had a bell tower that you could pay a couple dollars, and you could go up this bell tower, and you could look out over the city. Now, I had spent months in this city before that, and I had seen just about every nook and cranny as we had literally gone door to door and apartment to apartment through the city, as, as we had ministered to college students who were there, as we had uh, literally gone to pubs and coffee shops and led people to Jesus and done everything that we could do. I had seen everything from ground level, and, and it was beautiful, but, but the truth of the matter is um, I, I got a very different view of the city that day. I, I paid my ticket, and, and if y'all don't know this, I'm scared to death of heights, so y'all watch that video where I did that big swing thing. Y'all have no idea how terrified I was for them to pull me up in that swing, all right? Because they literally, y'all could, couldn't see it in the video. The way they pulled us up in that swing was they literally strapped us in a harness. They uh, walked us up a ladder. They strapped the harness to those two ropes that were going up. And then to draw us back, they hooked us to another rope that went through a pulley. And on the other side of that pulley was our students grabbing a rope and hoisting us up over their shoulder, just walking like this and pulling us to the top of that thing. So if at any point those guys would have let go of that thing, off we go, <laughs> all right? And so I am, I'm, I'm not a small guy, all right? I've got a little weight to me now. And so I was a little intimidated by that. That was scary enough as it is, but I despise heights. I just don't enjoy them. It's not something that I like to do. But that day in Poland, I paid my ticket. I walked up this tower. It was a spiral uh, staircase, an old stone deal. This church was hundreds of years old. And, and you get to the top of this bell tower, and there's a door that opens, and you walk out this door, and there's a 360-degree platform that goes around the top of that bell tower. And you could step out on that platform, and you could literally see everything for miles across the top of this city. It was a different perspective than what I was used to of seeing this city. And so as I stepped out onto this thing, first of all, I didn't step out very far. I was kind of like, all right, here we go. All right, and we kind of eased our way out there. But as I caught a glimpse of what I could really see, man, there was this just awestruck moment where you're just taken back and you just go, wow. I've never seen it that way before. I've been in the city for months. I've walked every one of these streets. I've eaten at all of these restaurants. I've seen these people. I've passed by these vendors. I've shopped in those stores. I've done all of these things. But, but this perspective that I get now is so different that it just takes your breath away. 
This is the feeling of the word amazed and astonished that we get here in the scriptures as it talks about these disciples listening to Jesus and as they sit on this hillside and it's, it's not that anything is different. It's the, the same teachings. It's the same stuff that Moses taught. It's the same things that they've read from the Torah their whole lives. It's the same stuff content-wise, but for some reason there's just a different perspective on it and the disciples are left amazed and astonished at what Jesus is saying and doing. And I pray that as we have studied through the Sermon on the Mount, I pray that maybe there's been a sense of awe that's come across you of going, man, I've never thought about it that way. I've never studied it that way before and I'm not sure what to do with this now because that's where the disciples were. They were in this moment of hearing Jesus' words and going, oh my goodness, I've never seen that. I've never approached it that way. What do I do with this now? But it wasn't just the content of what Jesus said that blew the disciples away. It's the second term that I really want to kind of focus on this morning. It's that they were amazed not just at what Jesus said, but the way at which Jesus said it. It says that they were amazed and astonished at the authority, the way that Jesus taught it. Verse 29, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. What does this mean? Well, in these, uh, the, the times when Jesus was speaking, it was been very common for some rabbis to get up and teach in the synagogues and in the temple. And when they would teach, they would always refer back to the person that they had heard it from. They would quote people a lot. So I heard this from rabbi so-and-so, and it's on his authority that I come before you today and declare that this is true because we all know and love and respect rabbi so-and-so, and so he heard it from the rabbi before him, and he heard it from the rabbi before him, and so this oral tradition was created that was being passed down, and people respected the authority of that oral tradition. But you know what Jesus didn't do in the entire Sermon on the Mount? He didn't quote a single rabbi. He didn't quote a single individual, a single teacher of the law. He didn't go back to to anybody in that. He simply went back to the word of God and he declared it with authority as if it was his own words. And this is what caught the people off guard. They stood there and they went, wait, 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 he's not referring to the rabbi that we know. Wait, wait, he's not quoting somebody. He's just, he's just saying it. Like his words are powerful enough to stand alone. And this is what caught the people off guard on that mountainside. What they were amazed by was that Jesus was literally standing on that mountainside declaring, I don't need to quote anyone. I have the power and I have the authority And what I say is truth. Follow it. The people were blown away by that. But here's where it gets really fun. The Sermon on the Mount ends. Jesus has declared these things and the people have been blown away by the authority of his his speech, his talk, his teachings. But then Jesus does something incredible. Look at chapter 8 with me. When he came down from the mountain, verse one, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will 
be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, just go and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. You know what Jesus just did in that moment? He didn't just display his authority over scripture, his authority over talking about stuff. But he showed his authority over disease, his authority over sickness, his authority over illnesses. He took a man of leprosy and he literally just spoke. And through the authority of Jesus' word, this man was cleansed. But we don't have to stop there. We can keep going. Look at verse 5. When he entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home. He's suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, listen to these words, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word. Why? Because he spoke with authority. Only say the word and my servant will be healed, for I too am a man under what? Authority. With soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to one, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. Jesus began to put on display for the people who had been listening to him talk. He began to put on display the idea that it wasn't just words that Jesus was good with. It wasn't just some wonderful, eloquent speech, but that this authority went beyond his words and went to his ability to be the Messiah. It was his ability to have authority over not just scripture, but over sicknesses and illnesses and leprosy and uh, paralyzation and all of these different things. He was, uh, he was authoritative over all of that. He could speak a word and it could be done. And his... his, um, uh, his um, uh, reputation had preceded him even to the point that when he walks into this city, people start coming to him because they've heard about what he just did on the mountain and this centurion shows up and he goes, hey, I understand what you said on the mountain. I get it. You're a man of authority. You don't even have to come to my house. Just say the word. Your, your words are enough, Jesus. Just speak. And Jesus says, yeah, you're right. Let him be healed. The authority of Jesus is placed on display. But it doesn't just stop with illnesses and, and people who are paralyzed and afflicted with leprosy. Let's keep going. Verse 14. And Jesus entered Peter's house. He saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was, what, uh, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Listen to those words. Jesus is now at Peter's mother-in-law's house and hanging out with her. She's sick and he comes in and just 
heals her and her response is, I love her response because a lot of us, I don't know if you're like me, but like after I get over being sick, I need like a day or two to still recover. So it's like, oh, I've been sick. Just give me a, give me a day. And Peter's mother-in-law, she gets healed and she immediately jumps up and starts serving. She jumps up and it's just, boom, let me jump in. This Jesus has just done something powerful in my life and I want to serve him. But it goes beyond that because then a crowd starts to gather and more and more people start to come in to Peter's house and all these people start to draw in and, and now all of a sudden it's not just people who are sick but it's people who are afflicted by demons start to show up and Jesus looks at them and, and I, I would ask you to go back and look at that verse that says that he cast out those demons with a what? With a word. He spoke with authority again. And this authority of Jesus carried not only to scripture and not only to people who were sick, but it carried over into the spiritual world. Jesus was able to speak and even the demons trembled at the authority that was in Jesus's voice. When Jesus said, get out, they ran. We could go on to other passages and we could look at other places where Jesus healed people who were possessed by demons, but every single time that we get to a passage like that, I never read a passage where we, we walk up and Jesus walks up into a crowd and there's somebody with a demon and the demon tries to like attack Jesus. That never happens. Jesus just speaks a word and the demons flee every single time. It is the authority with which Jesus speaks. It is the authority that Jesus carries that enables him to be able to defeat these demons. He casts them out with just a word. We could keep going, though. We could flip all the way to Matthew chapter 28 because it's not just sickness and physical disabilities. It's not just demons and spiritual warfare. But Jesus does something pretty incredible towards the end of his life. Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 16. Jesus has been crucified. He has been buried. He has risen from the dead. He has gathered his disciples around him one more time, these same men who were on the mountainside with him for the Sermon on the Mount. And he says to them, verse 16, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. Some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, listen to these words, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. See, Jesus doesn't just have some authority. Jesus doesn't just have partial authority. Jesus doesn't just have like some ability to sometimes speak good things to you. God doesn't just have, Jesus doesn't have just some ability to come and heal you. God doesn't just have, Jesus doesn't have just some ability to, to, to cast out demons and sometimes he doesn't. It, it is the fact that Jesus has all authority. There is no authority greater than him. I've worked in a lot of different jobs and Here's what I've found. I, I enjoy kind of being the second in command or the third in command or the fourth in command even because when somebody comes to me with a problem, I can always go, hey, there's somebody with higher authority that you need to go talk to about that. But when you're the top guy, <laughs> when you're the dude at the top of the list, there's nobody else to go to. I, I worked at Target when I was in college. Um, I worked in the electronics and, and um, uh, toys department. And uh, one night I was uh, working the booth and it was late. We were like 10 minutes from closing and there was a mom and a little boy that were looking at a video game and 
the mom asked me if I could get the video game out of the case, so I walked over and unlocked the case and pulled the game out, went over to the register. I said, do you want to buy it? She says, yeah. I scan it. Well, the price came up different than what the price was in the cabinet, right? And so I'm new. I'm like two months into my job here. I have zero authority to be able to tell her, yeah, I can give that to you for that price in there. I have to go off of what the register is saying. So as I'm talking to this lady and trying to explain that, man, she gets mad. Oh, she got so mad at me. She was like, you can't tell me that you can't lower the price. That's false advertising. I'm going to sue. And I was like, ma'am, I, I, I can't do anything. You can talk about the definition of a Karen. All right, this lady was a Karen. Sorry to any Karens in the room. All right, but this lady was a, she was just mean about it. There was no grace in her voice. It was just, I'm going to demand my way. But here's where it got fun was when she said to me, I want to speak to your manager. You got it. So I said, gladly. Let me get somebody with authority who can actually handle what you need handled because I don't have the authority to do it. As a pastor, I don't have the authority in your life to change things for you. I'm just a man. But we serve a God who has the authority like no one else. There is no one above him. There is no one greater than him. There is no one with more strength or more power. There is no one in this universe who could change anything better for you than the God of the Bible, the God who sent himself in the form of a man to live in this world for 33 perfect years, who gave his life up for you. That same God has all authority. It has been given to him. And so when we have trials and when we have tribulations, when we face difficult days, when we walk through challenging times, we need to be reminded that there is nothing in this world that we will experience that is not under the authority of Jesus Christ. So the sickness you face, it is under the authority of Jesus. The relationship you're trying to heal, it is under the authority of Jesus. The financial hardship you're facing, is under the authority of Jesus. The uncertainty of your job is under the authority of Jesus. The future of your family is under the authority of Jesus. The future of this church is under the authority of Jesus. It all serves a purpose. And it can all change at a moment's notice with a single word from our Heavenly Father. The question is whether or not we will have the faith to pursue it. As Jesus walks into that city, I love the story of the centurion. Because the centurion walks up to Jesus and says, this is what I need from you. He brings his request before Jesus. He lays it at Jesus' feet. And Jesus is already agreeable. He's already ready to answer the request. But the centurion goes above and beyond that because he recognizes the authority of Jesus and he says, whoa, 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 you don't even have to do all that for me, Jesus. I just need this. And I know you can do it because I trust you. Do we trust Jesus in the midst of whatever we face? Do we truly believe that everything is under his authority? 
Now, that raises a lot of questions, doesn't it, though? Because a lot of times we'll face difficult things and we'll go, really, that's, that's under Jesus' authority? Why would he allow that into my life? If he could change it in an instant, if he could snap his finger and change it, then why hasn't he? Why hasn't God stepped in? I've got the faith of the centurion. I believe that he can. I believe that he will. Like, why hasn't he? That is the real question of faith. The real question of faith says, even when I don't see it, I will believe it. Even when I can't put my hands on it, even when I haven't seen it take place yet, I will believe that Jesus can and he will in his timing with his purposes. And I will walk faithfully until he does because it's his authority, not mine. This morning, I don't know what you face. I don't know what your difficulties are. I don't know what the challenges of your day look like. But I wanna encourage you this week that no matter what you face, today, tomorrow, next month, next year, it is under the authority of Jesus. And at a single word from him, it can all change. Be patient, be faithful, live righteous lives the way that Jesus declared throughout the Sermon on the Mount. And if we will do that, if we will live into the culture of the kingdom of God the way that he desires us to do it, I really truly believe that that God with all the authority in the world is gonna make sure that he takes care of everything we need in his time with his purposes in his plan. Will you trust it? As we close out the Sermon on the Mount, I wanted to end with this idea of Jesus' authority because I want us to understand that these words we've talked about over the last 8, 10, 12 weeks, however long it's been, aren't just some words. They're not just some good teaching that we can mix in with everything else but it is the words of the one who has all authority. Let's live it out. Let's go be the people of God that he desires us to be. So I wanna pray for you. Our worship team's gonna come back up and lead us in a final song. I'm gonna stand over here to the right side this morning. If there's anything that you need to come and pray with me about, I'll be standing over here. Um, if there's anything God's dealing with you about uh, that you don't need necessarily me to pray with you about, but you just wanna come lay it at the altar, Come down and pray. If you want to deal with whatever you're dealing with there where you are, that's fine too. But do whatever you need to do this morning to ensure that you're following Jesus and that you've submitted to his authority in your life, that you've recognized that he can do anything. Let's be obedient. Let me pray for us. Father God, I am grateful to serve a God who has all the authority. I don't serve some second-class partial God. I don't serve some God that submits to something else or that ebbs and flows and changes with the days. But I serve a God who speaks and acts with all authority.
And so God, I come before you this morning praising you because you're worthy to be praised. I come before you pleading, God, on the behalf of myself and others, God, for the needs that we have. Trusting that because you have the authority, God, you can speak a word and change it all. So, God, we come this morning bearing our souls to you. We come this morning, Father, laying it all at the foot of the cross, trusting you. Trusting that when you speak, things change. Trusting that when you speak, mountains move. That when you speak, demons flee. When you speak, illnesses go away. When you speak, sickness is healed. We come trusting, God, that you can do that just as much today as you did 2,000 years ago on that mountainside. We believe, God, in your authority. We trust in your strength and in your power. God, move and act this morning on our behalf. We love you and we praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.